almost lost the cup and you win it. The new European champions, the treble, the dream come true for you. Oh, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Football, by the hell. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 37 of the Golden Boot Podcast. I'm Chris Williams. I'm JP Rios. And I'm Sam DeCoste. And we are back with another episode. We talked enough about club football and apparently the world has had enough about club football because we have another international break. Uh, Chris, I, I believe you love these because Donnie Van de Beek actually has a bigger chance of playing. However, we are going to go right into this. The news broke out, what was it, less than a week ago? It was a few days ago. Newcastle's takeover by basically Saudi Arabia. It's the same situation as a Manchester City PSG. And that makes them, it makes them the most, I mean, at least their owners are the wealthiest owners in all of club football is if I have that uh, right. Chris? Yeah, I believe. Um, I believe they're the wealthiest team um, in the world right now. What was it? Was it 300 billion? I think they paid for it. I'm not sure if it was with a B or an M. Do you know? If it was a B, then that would be, that would be shocking. It's a lot of money for Newcastle. I think it was because you buy a player for a hundred million. So yeah, I think it was something around the lines of three hundred billion. If you can find that, JP. Okay. Uh, yeah. So in, on sporting level, these supporters are good. okay. So Saudi Arabia. This is what the sovereign wealth fund is worth and what they put into this. Four hundred billion dollars. And. I mean, I don't – you're talking about making Newcastle – Newcastle, okay? The team that has been known for Alan Shearer, uh, the best uh, football fran- movie franchise of all time. And that's basically it. And we're talking about now they are the wealthiest team. And, like, here's the thing. What are you going to – like, this is – we've complained about PSG. We've complained about Manchester City. You know, what – happens now because at least Manchester was kind of a destination it's not the right Manchester team but I mean was I don't remember it was uh it was Robinho Carlos Tevez who didn't know that there was two teams in Manchester when he signed originally Um, yeah he was signing for Man United and signed for City and stuff exactly and now we're talking about Newcastle let's just think about it as as a city Newcastle being not only Continue. No, 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 no. Keep going. Keep going. I was just saying, like, independently of all football terms, like you're talking about it as potentially because obviously they haven't made any signings. I mean, obviously they still don't know who the coach is going to be. If I think they already decided they're going to change the coach, but we could be if they invest their money and they don't get in any trouble with in terms of you know financial fair play, which we've seen is not always the strongest apparently we could potentially see a team that could fight for the Premier League. I don't know for the Champions League because we've seen Manchester City, we've seen PSG invest so much money into them, into their teams, still not come out on top. But I'm just, I'm just curious what you guys think because I think this is – if it had been any other team maybe, but Newcastle just beats me as to – I mean, why – what, what what was in Newcastle that made them decide, like, this is the move? I mean, I understand it. Because New- Newcastle was, a, like, a legendary team back in the day. And the thing about Newcastle, it's like every other 
English team, um, well, uh, like a lot of other English teams, especially in that area of the country, they have such passionate fan bases through good and bad. And we've seen for the past 14 years, I mean, they've been not a great football club, um, you know, outside of the top four, not even close to making any title runs. But the, the fans have been there, uh, been supporting the team the whole entire way. And, um, you know, Sam and I were actually fortunate enough to be on a Zoom call with Gab Marcotti from ESPN FC today. And he said that, you know, a, a big reason behind it is that they have such a f passionate fan base. And that, that just makes it such an appealing destination. Um, you know, now it's going to be a project and it's going to be a huge project. It's going to take longer than it took Manchester City to see any sort of success or buy any sort of players or, you know, real, make a real impact in the league. You know, those players aren't just going to start coming to Newcastle like all the memes on Instagram are suggesting in January. You know, Erling Haaland and Mbappe and all of these players aren't just going to come to Newcastle. It's a project, but I think it's really promising for the city. Um, you know, you can talk about the human rights issues behind it and everything, but, you know, we're here to talk about the football. Um, I think it's really promising for the city. And, yeah, it's just, um, you know, it's going to be an interesting project to see who they can attract and, you know, if attracting all these players and putting all this money into a club can really make them successful instead of, you know, um, trying to develop players um, from, like, the academy system or, what, or whatnot. Well, maybe they'll even try to, you know, develop that so then they can start bringing in and creating their own talent rather than having to go out to the transfer market and buy it. So, you know, what? I, I'm, I'm intrigued. Um, and I think if it was another English team, like, I don't know, like Arsenal or something, um, that people would be even more outraged um, than they are now. But because it's Newcastle, they understand, like, the hurt they've been through and that they haven't been a superpower for a very long time. And to be fair, they never really were a superpower. They were just a really good team. And unfortunately, Alan Shearer signed for them instead of Man United. And I mean, that—that th that is really what it comes down to. If he signed for them instead of coming to United <laughs> and, you know, had a great career there. And that's really what brought Newcastle to the next level. So yeah, it, it would be interesting to see if they can actually become that superpower that people thought that they once were and were going to be. Um, Sam, I don't know what you think about it. Well, uh, I think... Well, I, I think GP pissed the question, why Newcastle? Why would that be the team that the next big-time billion-dollar takeover would happen to? Well, I would, I would play the reverse card on you and ask, well, why PSG and why Manchester City? For Man City particularly, why would you invest in a team that's in Man United's shadows and try to make them a superstar? PSG makes a little bit of sense, I guess, because like, it's Paris. You want to put a Parisian club on the map. Um, Newcastle, the location isn't as, um, it isn't as, uh, much of a beacon in, uh, in Europe as Manchester or Paris would be. Um, so location isn't as opportune, but the fan base is awesome. They have a phenomenal stadium. It's one of the best in the country. And I, and this, this fan base is hungry for a winner where you could say that if, if we're talking, if we're throwing Newcastle in the fold of city and PSG, then Newcastle far and away have the best fan base even now of all of those three clubs. And so that makes this an even more appealing project. Can they invest in this club and build them into a winner for the fans? Because imagine 
the scenes that we could see. Like, imagine thinking about Champions League football at St. James's Park and how cool that would be. Whereas, like, with Paris and Man City, they're not known for their fan bases even now, unless, like, you're a plastic fan and you jump on the bandwagon now. But no, no one, like, gets excited about an atmosphere at the Parc de France or uh, the Etihad for a Champions League game. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I think that Parc de France has, I mean, the, the PSG Ultras are some of the best um, in terms of, like, passion out there. I, I really do enjoy watching that. But, yeah, to talk about City, I mean, they can't even fill uh, the, the Etihad for a Champions League match or for any Premier League match. And St. James's Park fills every single weekend. And City, you're talking about how the, one of the best coaches to walk the earth plus a billion-dollar squad times 400 of that is what they spent to buy Newcastle. Mm-hmm. I, I, and, but speaking about coaches, like I do feel a little bad for Steve Bruce. I know his resume hasn't been great, but then again, he hasn't had really the backing and the, the players uh, to really you know, help, him, help him show that he's the man for the job. And I know there, there's a quote, him saying he's just grateful that his parents aren't alive right now to see all the abuse that he was getting on social media after the takeover because they know that they'll probably be getting a new coach. Um, and I do feel really bad for him because, it, you know, maybe if they stick with him and they just give him the talent, maybe he'll be able to, to prove something. But then again, he's had his chances at multiple clubs and he hasn't really been able to prove it. So I am interested to see what happens with the management of uh, Newcastle. It's just going to be interesting overall, really, yeah. from playing to the management. I mean, the one thing Steve Bruce has never had to do is uh, ask fans to show up to the stadium like Pep had to which, you know, makes sense. I think, I mean, obviously, I think the thing with Steve Bruce, if you, I mean, I, at the end of the day, I think it depends. If you're bring, trying to bring in star players, I could understand you want a manager who can manage those kinds of players. Because we've seen managers who can't do it. I mean, at Barcelona, right when Valverde left, they didn't know how to manage those egos. So, but, I mean, that also begs the question, is your strategy going to be try and bring talent immediately off the bat, or are you going to try and create, you know, your own academy, try to foster that at, you know, at Newcastle? So it's going to be interesting. Obviously, it's not going to – I don't think they're going to do a lot starting, you know, in the winter, in the January transfer window, but we'll we'll have to wait and see. And – uh why not Arsenal? Please, somebody buy Arsenal for the love of God. Spotify, please. Thierry Henry and the owner of uh, my favorite app, Spotify, are trying to um, are, are thinking about it. But anyway, um, that's Newcastle. And segueing over to our next segment, uh, there's no one from Newcastle on this list, sadly. But you know, maybe in a couple of years there will be. Maybe some of these players will be at Newcastle. Who knows? But France Football released its short list. It's not that short. It's 30 players um, for the Ballon d'Or, the nominees for this year. And I'll just read through them real quick. So we have Cesar Aspilicueta from Chelsea, Nicolo Borrella from Inter, Karim Benzema, Real Madrid, Leonardo Benucci from Juve, Kevin De Bruyne from City, Ruben Diaz from City, Gianluigi Donnarumma from AC Milan and PSG. Um, Bruno Fernandes from my beloved Manchester United, Phil Foden from City, Erling Haaland from what is going to be Manchester United, just kidding, Bruce Dortmund, Jorginho from Chelsea, Harry Kane, Tottenham, Golo Kante from Chelsea, Simon Kier 
from AC Milan, Robert Lewandowski from Bayern, Romelu Lukaku from Inter and Chelsea, Riyad Mahrez from City, Lautaro Martinez from Inter, uh, Mbappe from PSG, and Messi from Barcelona and some team in Paris, Luka Modric from Real Madrid, Gerard Moreno from Villarreal, Mason Mount, Chelsea, Neymar, PSG, Pedri, Barcelona, Cristiano Ronaldo, Sue from United and Juve, Mohamed Salah from Liverpool, <laughs> Raheem Sterling from City, and Luis Suarez from Atletico Madrid. Did you miss so, Gallini? Or did you say I, Gallini? No, I, I, said, I think I said Bonucci and then skipped them because they're the same person. Okay, okay yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> they're the same person in my mind. But, yes, so... Obviously, it's a long, short list of 30 players. Um, so I guess let's talk about our top five. Who would you put in your top five? And then ultimately, who would you pick? And JP, you can go first. Top five. Oh, okay. I did not even have time to think about this. I mean, obviously, just because it's the Ballon d'Or, obviously, you're going to have to put uh, some guy who plays at Paris. Uh, hey, hey, Sue. So... You know, you're going to have to put Cristiano, you're going to have to put Messi. At the end of the day, that's the world we live in. Being realistic, I think they, that's just how the world's going to be. I mean, you saw, uh, what was it, in the best, uh, the FIFA Awards last year? I mean, was it the best season they've had? Probably not. They were still there. So just because it's them, they're going to be there no matter what. So I think it's going to be Cristiano. It's going to be messy. I think Lewandowski still also with what happened uh, last year with them canceling it, there's always going to be, you know, that kind of pressure to put him in on the list. He's had a good, he's had a good year. He broke the record for more, uh, more goals in the Bundesliga beating Gerd Mueller. Uh, beyond that, that leaves two. And out of all of these in the list, I, I feel like either Jorginho or Conte is going to be on it. I don't fully agree. I don't, I don't. So first of all, Chris, I don't think Jorginho should have been in any of these lists. Uh, maybe on, you know, best performance in the Italian commercials for, I don't even know what it was that we saw, but I think Conte might be on the list like for the top five and, for my other top five, dear Lord. You know, a lot of players I would choose are not on this list either. <laughs> but I'm just going up and down. I think it's going to be either Mbappe or Neymar who's going to be filling up that fifth spot. Even though I think Holland might should be on it, I don't think he's going to be on it this year in the top five for the Ballon d'Or. So Cristiano, Messi, Lewandowski, probably Kante, and then put in Neymar there, even though I don't think he's had the best performances. Neymar? No, Mbappe. Yeah, that's what I meant. Same player. Play for some team, a small team in Paris. I don't know if you've heard of it. Kind of underground. I personally haven't, but who do you think is going to win out of those five that you chose? Uh, completely unbiased opinion. No, uh, in, There's no influence whatsoever in this decision. I'd give it to Robert Lewandowski because uh, I am completely unbiased into this whole conversation. Sounds about right. Now, Sam, I know you've been thinking long and hard about this. You can hear that sigh. He's really been thinking. Yes. I can't hear so, anything. So, in no order, 
Um, I would say Lewandowski, uh, he's been the talisman. He should, could have won the ball under last year if it wasn't canceled. And I think he's following up with another legendary season. So he has to be in the conversation. I also think Kareem Benzema should be in that conversation. I think he's had a sensational season. I think you can make an argument right behind Lewandowski or Harry Kane. Um, I think Benzema is in the conversation for probably the best season that any striker has had this season. And also throw Harry Kane in that conversation because Harry Kane led the league, the Premier League in goals and assists last year. And he had a very solid uh, tournament at the Euros as well, goal scoring wise. Then I would all, I would put Messi in the conversation. I would probably leave Ronaldo out of it this year because I just don't think Ronaldo had the, I think he, he won, he scored 29 league goals last year. He was very good. Um, and he scored some goals in the Euros, but I don't think individually, um, well, I'm saying individually he wasn't as elite as he usually is, even though the goal scoring numbers were still very good. But um, maybe it's in part that Juve scraped into the Champions League or that Portugal were to flop at the Euros that Ronaldo doesn't really seem as convincing a pick for me to want to include in the Ballon d'Or. When you take the name away from him, I don't think he's as appealing for a Ballon d'Or candidate. Um, and I think that I would rather put N'Golo Kante in that slot as well because he had a phenomenal season for Chelsea, helping them spearheading another Champions League winning campaign for them in the midfield. Um, and Kante, I think he was, he was the, hand, the, the odds-on favorite after winning the Champions League. Um, some people have heated up since then, like Lewandowski and Jorginho. We can talk about Jorginho all we want, um, but I'm not going to say nice things about Jorginho tonight. I think, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but Conte, he's he's the best at what he does in the world, and that's closing the ball down, um, pressing the pressing in the midfield, controlling the tempo um, from the middle of the park. So I think the top five have to be Lewandowski, Benzema, Conte. Messi and uh, I don't know if I said a fifth player, but if I had to put a fifth player, it'd be Ronaldo. Uh, no, it's Harry Kane. That's what I said. Yes, that's Harry Kane. So it's going to be, you can edit this again, Chris. So, it's, so it sounds good. So it'd be Lewandowski, Benzema, Kane, Messi, and Conte. And Lewandowski would take home the crown. Okay. You know what? I like that list. Um, for me, uh, obviously, Messi has to be in there winning the Copa America. Um, oh, I forgot about that. What a, what a summer it was for Messi and for me. And for you. Yes, our good Argentinian friend, Sam. Can, can we put uh, Emi Martinez on this list as well? Just oh, for... he's number six. <laughs> yeah, he, he doesn't make the list. He's number 31 on the short list, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so Messi has to be on it. You know, even though Barcelona didn't do too well and PSG is not off to a heart uh, heart a hot start with uh, all the new signings. Uh, Messi has to be on it for what he did internationally and just because he's a hell of a player, isn't he? Um, Cristiano Ronaldo also has to be on that for me. He broke the international men's goal scoring record. He now holds the most um, hat tricks in international men's football. Um, I'm pretty sure he broke the scoring record just in general this year as well. Um, so yeah, Cristiano Ronaldo just always breaking goals breaking records with all of his goals and yeah just you know he's like a fine wine that's all i have to say about cristiano ronaldo i would love to have a discourse about Jorginho if you oh, we will indulge me we will after this after the my three other picks oh, okay <laughs> <laughs> so um engolo Kante has been my shout for ballon d'or the whole the whole year 
Um, I think he is the best player on that Chelsea team. Um, and I think it's by far. He is probably the best player on France as well. He makes all of those players around him look good. Um, just because he doesn't score uh, doesn't mean that he isn't the best player. The best player on the field is not always the forward and the one who scores. And I think N'Golo Kante has the best presence on every team he plays for, and he makes everyone around him so much better. So N'Golo Kante is on my list. Uh, obviously, Lewandowski has to be on that as well. Um, it's always been between him and Kante for me for the, the past year, just because Lewandowski, I think he's the best number nine in the world. Um, he certainly was last season, obviously breaking the record for most goals scored in a season. Um, so, yeah, that, that was pretty – that's a pretty easy choice for me. Now, number five is kind of hard. Um, <clears throat> it can come down to a lot of players, and obviously this, this whatever player I pick right here isn't going to win. Um, but, you know, you, I, I was talking to Sam about this while, while JP was listing his. I was like, honestly, there is a shout. There is a solid shout for Pedri just because he's played for every – he's played the most games international – well, not international. He's played the most games of football this year. Um, I don't think he's the best player, but there's such a really good well, shout. Isn't that, isn't that the award? Best yes, player? but I'm saying there's a shout. A, sh- a shout? Okay, yes. I'll shout. I think he, maybe he played the most games this year, but that's not the award. The award is well, the best player, you think, and you just said you don't think he's the well, best Well, why do you think he year? played the most games? Because uh, he's one of the most integral players on those teams. So well, that's why there's a shout. I'm saying just there's say a that. shout. Why'd you say so, bro? Because that's different. I mean, he was a top midfielder, and Luis Enrique – I mean, you heard what he said about him during the Euros, how fantastic he was and the level he was playing at. And how old is he, like 19 years old, 18, and playing right. every game of the Euros for Spain. Um, playing every minute to his detriment because that kid needs rest. Um, if he plays every game, he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna get injured and possibly compromise the future of his career. But um, I, think, I think there's a shot for him maybe be in the top 10 for voting. Top five exactly. is a stretch for me. I know, that's why I said there's a shot for top five. Well, okay. Are you shouting for him top five? No, I'm not, but I'm there is a shout. Oh, okay. You're you're acknowledging the shouting in the back. Yes, yes. He's like an honorable mention. Uh, I, I see. Yeah. Well, now that that's over. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't really have a fifth. Um, you know, I would, well, love, would be your fifth then. I would love to throw Bruno in there just because of the impact he has at United, and uh, but he hasn't done the same for Portugal. And you know, when when it came to it, down to it in the. Europa League final. I mean, United just wasn't able to do it, and Bruno was part of that. Um, to be fair, Ronaldo had a horrible World Cup in 2014, but he still won the, won the Ballon d'Or in spite of that. Yeah, and see, the Ballon d'Or, the, the thing about the Ballon d'Or for me is that it's always going to be between Messi and Ronaldo, and it's not necessarily that the best player always wins. It's that the player who has scored the most goals or whatever, something like that, wins. And as I just said before, like, the best player – in the world is not always the one that scores the most goals. It's not Jorginho either. Yeah, it's not Jorginho. And because I can't think of a fifth player to go on this list, I mean, I, I like Erling Holland as well. But, um, you know, I might put Erling Holland on the list. Um, but, yeah, let's talk about Jorginho because you can see it all over social media. Everyone's saying Jorginho is, like, the, the best shout for um, Ballon d'Or. And I just, don't, I just don't understand it. JP, I'll let you take it away first. I just, I don't understand. Okay, so when I was looking at the list, there's a lot of questions that I had. Like, first of all, you know, why is a player like oh, Jorginho on this? I hate this. I, 
Jorginho wasn't even the best player on the Italy team that won the Euros. Nor is he the best player on Chelsea. No, that is definitely team Turbo Timo. Like, that's beyond a doubt. That's just the facts. Jorginho, I don't even know what to say because Jorginho doesn't give me enough words to think of. He's just there. It's like Jordan Henderson on Liverpool. He's good. He can make the team, but he's not the best player on the field. He's not somebody who's going to drastically change the game. And, like, to be frank, the moments they asked him to step up, yes, he scored the penalty against Spain, but every other moment that I've seen after that, when he's had to step up, he's missed the penalties, and he's supposed – people claim the best penalty taker, penalty taker on the planet. His technique, he said to himself, if you figure it out, it's pretty easy to stop. It's pretty – he's not – there's nothing in Jorginho. I'm not saying he's not good. He is. I mean, he wouldn't be playing at that level if he wasn't. But he's not good enough to be the UEFA's best player of the year. He wasn't even the best midfielder for the Champions League season. That award didn't go to him. But then they go turn around and be like, oh, you, all, you didn't have the best season in the Champions League. You also didn't have the best season in the Premier League or the best – you know, tournament in the Euros. You weren't the most important player or the best player on any team that you were on. Here you go. Here's your trophy. What? How? Like, I just don't understand it. I And I think it's one of those things. Once he received one award or something, everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people jump on the wagon. They're like, oh, he's the best player. No, like, there's enough, like, this isn't, like, something that you can measure, like, precisely oh you got the award because you're the best player you get a top goal scorer award there's no doubt you were the top goal scorer like that's you know we can measure that here the only thing we can actually be certain of is Jorginho shouldn't be on this list and Jorginho shouldn't be the UEFA's best player of the year that's all I have to say no more Jorginho on this I don't want to hear another word about Jorginho unless it's Jorginho slander I can approve of that that's not very journalistic of you, Jose. So uh, we're going to go to Sam right. now. So I didn't have to be journalist. We're going to go to Sam now, who has been whispering in my ear that he has some thoughts. Sam? I do. So uh, as we know, Jorginho was crowned Men's Player of the Year by UEFA for this past season, winning the Champions League with Chelsea, winning the Euros with Italy. But let me ask you a question. Um, what did he actually do? What was his role on either of these teams. What did he actually do that was instrumental to both of those teams winning those championships? Was it passing the ball behind to the center backs, getting it back, then playing it to the left winger, and then getting it passed back to him, and then going back behind him again, and then doing the same thing five or 10 times a game? Because if that's what he did well, then, well, give him the ball and door right now, because that's the metric of the best footballer in the world. Goal scoring wise, he didn't really do anything to control the tempo of a game, he didn't really score. He scored on the penalty to send Italy to the final in the Euros and then missed a penalty to win the Euros for Italy. And then Donnarumma bailed him out afterwards. But what's he actually done? What's his signature Ballon d'Or moment that he's had this year? You could say that Conte's had those crunching tackles. Lewandowski scored how many goals this year? Benzema, Kane, Messi. I don't see what Jorginho has actually done. And we've already talked about how he doesn't even stack up as the best player on his roster for 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 a club or country. When you look at Chelsea, I would say that Conte's better, Mendy's better, Pulisic, 
maybe even Mason Mount is better. Mason. I think on Italy, Donnarumma was the player of the tournament. Then you have Chiesa, Bonucci, Chiellini. Uh, what was the fullback's name? That went, uh, Spinazzola. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say Giorgino is no better than the fifth best player on Italy. And that's, I think, generous to say that he's the fifth best player in Italy. I don't know where this is coming from, how Giorgino, well, we do, because he won Champions League and the Euros, uh, two hallmark UEFA competitions. But it's ridiculous to say that he is one of the best players in the world and to give him the most prestigious trophy in world football for that because there are so many players that deserve it so much more. And I wouldn't want a player like Lewandowski who didn't win the Champions League and flamed out in the group stage of the Euros to lose out on the Ballon d'Or because his teams weren't as good as Chelsea and Italy. Yeah, and I, I concur. I, I agree. Um, I've been saying it all along. My, one of my best friends, his favorite player in the world is, drumroll please, Jorginho. And he's all for him winning UEFA Player of the Year, all for him winning Ballon d'Or. And this certain friend is also a Chelsea fan. And every time I have a talk with him, I'm like, you know that Jorginho is not the best player on your team. And this goes back to what I was saying before. There's a reason that N'Golo Kante won men of the match in the two semifinals and in the final of the Champions League. There's a reason. It's because he was the best player on the team, on the field, in those games when it really mattered. It wasn't Jorginho. So just because he was on the field and part of those teams does not mean that he should win the most prestigious individual trophy in the sport. It, it does not make sense to me. And like Sam was saying, he wasn't the best player on Italy. In my opinion, Federico Chiesa is the most talented player on Italy. And I think he really had the most impact on that team. I mean, there were a lot of other players who had you know, huge impacts as well. But he wasn't the best player when it came down to it. Yes, he sent them to the final, but he didn't show up when it mattered in the final. And Donnarumma, well, not even Donnarumma. I mean, the, the England players came through with not some very good shots, but, I mean, we've talked about that already. Um, so, yeah, he just wasn't the best player on any team. And it comes down to what I was saying before. Just because you're the best goal scorer on a team does not make you the best player. Just because you have won these awards doesn't actually mean you're the best player in the world. It, it doesn't. It, it really doesn't. Just because you have some awards to back yourself up um, doesn't necessarily prove that you're the best at your job. When I look back at the, this Jorginho season, Chelsea and Italy's campaigns winning championships, I don't see the impact that Jorginho plays. If you put anybody else in that spot, would they do as good or better than Jorginho? I think the answer is yes. I don't see what makes him so special in that role that he had other than being the only player to win both those competitions. That's it. Yeah, and and on Chelsea, the best player on that team is N'Golo Kante, and I think the second best player is probably Mason Mount. So Apart from the back line, I think that every other player on Chelsea has a more instrumental role than Jorginho. I I don't think – and, and this isn't, you know, this isn't us saying, oh, my God, we hate Jorginho, because we don't. Well, I mean, he's like, a great, he's a good – I never met the guy. I hope, I hope he has – I hope, you know, he's happy. He has a wonderful family and a lot of money. But um, I, I, football-wise, like, I don't know. I don't know what to say, bro. No, I, I'm not hitting him as a footballer at all, because I do think that he's a very good footballer. 
I just think that everyone needs to settle down. I just think, yeah, settle down. And just because he won all of these titles this year does not mean he should be in this conversation. Yeah, and I'm just going to read this out. I think it's the same, might be the same uh, article you have where the list was. This is what the case they're making for Jorginho. They put the Champions League in Euro 2020 winner is a candidate for those very two reasons. There's nothing else, just the two, tur- the two tournaments. Uh, the midfielder played every minute of the Champions League knockout for the match suspended against Atletico Madrid and then played all but 50 minutes in the Euros. Nothing surprising. And then literally says, players around him took the headlines during both triumphs. There's a reason why, because they did more than he did, and they were more instrumental. I mean, in Italy, you mentioned names. You said there's at least five more influential. There's more than that. I mean, Locatelli, Varela, Chiesa, Bonucci, Chiellini, Chiesa, who should be on the on this list. And, I mean, the list goes on and on. So, of course, I mean, to a certain degree, even Emerson had more of an impact on, you know, on the games than he did. But... As you said, we don't hate Jorginho. You, we don't hate him for who he is. We hate him. We don't hate him. We're just disagreeing with the people who are just putting Jorginho on a pedestal, even yeah. though any Jorginho slander is completely welcome right now. I think if Spain beat Italy in the semifinals of the Euros, and if Real Madrid beat Chelsea in the semifinals of the Champions League, we wouldn't be having this conversation at all right now. Well, yeah, and... Yeah, and and just going back to, you know, what you just read, JP. I mean, N'Golo Kante, he has the Champions League and those Man of the Match trophies in those Champions League performances to back him up. But he also has the stats and what happened in those games to back him up. I mean, it, it's been um, heavily documented for the past couple of years that he is like, he covers the most ground in the Premier League. The man just doesn't stop. So, yeah. Um, I, I, if we're going to talk about a Chelsea midfielder having to make it, it has to be N'Golo Kante. Um, he's just so underrated and very underappreciated. It would be utterly disrespectful if Jorginho won this award or is even voted higher than Kante. It would be shambolic and, and just anti-football. Honestly, when I was watching the final with a friend of mine, uh, the Euro final, he said, the only reason you could take Verratti off before Jorginho is because you think, you know, you're going to penalties because it's pointless if you're trying to win this game, like in normal time or like before penalties. So, yeah, I think that is a lot. I think we, (laughs) I love how we transition from who do we think is going to win the Ballon d'Or to, Jorginho is, should not be on this list and then spend the entire time talking about that. Maybe Jorginho to Newcastle now. Who knows? If he went to Ballon d'Or, that's their first signing. Uh, but it's been – there's a lot going on, I think, and as we get closer to the actual, uh, you know, final ten, final ten, final five, and then the top three, I think it's going to be interesting. I hope Jorginho's not there. And if he is, I hope Newcastle sign him and we don't have to hear about – Jorginho from our all our close Chelsea fan friends but I think that's pretty much all for now absolutely thank you guys as always once again for listening we hope you enjoyed it um yeah and we hope that you agree with our points and if you disagree well I'd love to 
hear your arguments. <laughs> but anyway, um, thank you guys once again, and uh, we'll see you in the next one. I'm Chris Williams. I'm JP Rios. And I'm Sam DeCoste. That's just so nice, isn't it? <laughs> it's pretty good. It's pretty good. You heard it from the man himself. Well, thank you guys so much for listening, and uh, we'll catch you guys in the next one.